Hey, it's Richard Ryerson here from Dose of Leadership Podcast, and you're listening to Path to Podcast Success. So glad to be here. Welcome to another amazing episode of the Path to Podcast Success with your host, audience building and fear crushing podcast expert, Evan Bradley Johnson. Every single week, Evan has powerful conversations with successful entrepreneurs and business owners, revealing the podcast strategies they use to grow their subscribers and sales, and how you can use your podcast to finally get to that next level. Now, turn on your mic and let's start down the path to podcast success. Hi, Richard. Thank you so much for being willing to jump on the call today. Um, I'm excited to have this conversation. Yeah, Evan, thanks for, for inviting me. I appreciate it. So I like to start off in the same place with all my guests, and that is by asking, what was your biggest fear of podcasting when you first were starting out? And did that fear end up coming true? Wow. You know, I, when I started this podcast in 2013, I had the idea for it in 2012. I didn't have a lot of time wow. to think about it, to be quite honest. It was at the point I really wasn't afraid of starting it because I was, I was at a point where I had created a website. I was trying to, it was all about getting more speaking gigs, right? For mm. my, um, and I talk about leadership and it was, I was focusing on just keynotes and I built a website and I was really proud of myself that I figured it out and I dove into WordPress and I created this really beautiful website and I was really excited about it and had this kind of naive notion that, you know, you, they, you build it, they will come and then right. I'm in the 15 people getting to my website and I'm putting out blog posts and I'm like, what is going on? What? And so I was like, how do I get more notice in a noisy world type thing? Frustration. And I literally got up. It was December um, 17th, 2012, and I was sitting on the edge of my bed, and I was looking. I read a lot, and I was looking at all the books on my bookshelf, and I just, and I kind of had heard people talking about podcasting, but I didn't really know much about it, you know? I mean, I knew what they were, but I didn't, I hadn't listened to one. I didn't, I didn't subscribe to one, but I thought, what if I started having conversations with all these people on this bookshelf, and that prompted me, and I don't know what, what, that day, I, I just started emailing and Googling like top leadership books, people who are releasing books in 2013. And there was like gazillion of them. And I'm like, God, they're going to want to talk about leadership. And so I emailed everybody on the, that book list, came up with a bucket list of people I just wanted to talk to on my bookshelf. And I probably sent out 75 plus emails or contact forms or something. And I spent all morning and all afternoon doing that. And then by the evening, I had three people that responded and said, yeah, I'd love to be part of your show. And I made it up as I went along. So my point of it was, is I didn't really have any fears of like, oh, should I start one or should I not? I literally got up that morning on the 17th of December, emailed that list. And as I'm typing the email to the first person, I, I, it was a short four-line email. I said, hi. Uh, and I just, I started off with I, my ask. I said, I'd like to interview for my show. And I was thinking, I was looking at what do I call my show? What do I call my show? And I said, dose of leadership. I came, it just came to my head. So I didn't do any marketing research or fret over it or like that. 
Um, I'm launching it. And I swear to God, I literally looked at the calendar on my computer and I counted four weeks from the following Monday. I said, January 22nd, 2013, be about 30 to 60 minutes long. A little bit about me, husband, father, former Marine Corps officer, blah, 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 blah. And that's all I did. And so I really wasn't even operating off of fear. And then the fear probably kicked in is when I got the three responses from people on that list, like three people on that list. And I'm like, holy crap, I can't believe that they want to be a part of this. And so I didn't even have a show. I told people that the email you would have thought I had it all planned out and the show was ready to go. I didn't have anything. I didn't have any podcasting equipment, nothing. And I literally, when the three people responded, that was probably the best thing that happened because it gave me kind of a fire. Like, oh my God, I can't let these people down. I got to commit to what I said in my email. And that started it. And so the fear probably kicked in after that. And the fear was, am I going to be able to do this in time? And um, it didn't come true. It just, I just kind of stayed, you know, nose to the grindstone and, and started reaching out, figuring out podcasting between December 17th and when I launched January 22nd. I did my first interview, by the way, on January 6th. And then I launched, as I said, on January 22nd with six interviews under my belt. And uh, so I did all of that from January or December 17th to January 22nd. I launched the podcast with absolutely nothing. And then I uh, got into new and noteworthy uh, right off the bat based on advice from a couple of the podcasters. One of them was John Lee Dumas, whose podcast was brand new at the time. His Entrepreneur on Fire podcast. He was, he was only three months old. He was, I reached out to him that next day on December 18th. Him and um, Andrew uh, from Mixergy. What's Andrew's last name? Andrew Warner. Warner. I reached out to those two guys. I sent them an email and they both said, hey, get on a call with me. They both spent over an hour with me just kind of talking about their journey and what to do. And it was talking to those guys. Is, and I ordered the equipment. And then anyway, that was my long-winded answer of like the, <laughs> the, fear, the biggest fear was, oh, my God, I don't want to let these people down after I launched that. And then. Mm -hmm. And then I haven't looked back since. Wow. That's incredible. And that you're, that's incredible that you just kind of dived in and made it happen. Yeah. And let me just say that, well, that was not normal for me. Okay. Cause <laughs> I'm, I, I, I worry about the details. I, I second guess, like I suck at major life decisions, right? Like buying a house. So like, where do we do, you know what I mean? Should I take this job? Shouldn't. And I'll fret and I'll, pro and con and I sit up at night and can't make decisions for whatever reason. When I did that, I just, did it. And it was a life lesson for me. So it wasn't like I was, my whole life has been a pattern of these kind of, yeah, let's just see what happens. You know, right. <laughs> I'm usually a pretty analytical decision maker and I've since shifted since, since then. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then how has, has your podcast been going since then, since 2013? Yeah. So I launched it on, you know, it's been seven years this last January. Wow. Yeah. And so when I launched, there was like not quite 300,000 podcasts. Now there's almost a million. So wow, <laughs> I feel like I got in on the front, kind of the front side. Not the old, I wasn't the, the first, you know, wave, but I was probably the second or third. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, that sounds about right. I mean, everybody has a podcast nowadays. Yeah. It's so like, yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, I've got running water is the same as saying I have a podcast, right? <laughs> everybody has running water. Everybody has a podcast too. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's incredible. So you've been going since 2013. Yep. How, how have things been? So you started then, 
Um, how's your podcast doing now? Getting a lot of downloads. Like how, how is everything going? Yeah. You know, it's, it's been a steady, uh, a steady, consistent growth. And I think it was because, I mean, even like if I look, there's been times when I've had to pull back because of real life events and couldn't podcast like I wanted to. But when I came out of the gate, and this was based on guidance I got from Andrew Warner and John Lee Dumas, you know, they said, you know, just, just put out as much content as you can and be consistent. And I did that in the very beginning. And I, I really humped at it. I mean, I got a backlog. I didn't, I, cause I was like, I, I almost did. This was the best advice I got in the beginning. I, w- I wanted to record an episode and just release it. And uh, John Lee Dumas said, just hold off, get a backlog. And when you release, release, you know, six to 10 all at once and then consistent from there on out. And that's what I did. And that helped tremendously back. It's probably different now because there's so much more podcasts, but the algorithm was a little different back then on, on Apple podcasts or iTunes back then. If you did that, like if you launched with eight episodes out of the gate, it really helped with the algorithm to get you new and noteworthy. And once you got new and noteworthy, then it just kind of built this momentum, right? Because you were Mm. front and center on, on somebody's iPhone or when they open up iTunes on their laptop, whatever. And that's what I was. I mean, I was right up there and I was front and center for like six weeks. And that built a tremendous amount of momentum that has sustained me through this day, to be quite honest. Wow. And, and so even though when I've pulled back, like last year, I had to go for, I worked for American Airlines as a pilot and I had to go to upgrade training and I couldn't release episodes like I wanted to. And you saw the downloads drop off. But I, my point is, is that there's just been a consistent like if you charted the the growth of the show over seven years, it's just been kind of this this just general linear line, right? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Just consistently growing, right? Um, and I I equate that to just being consistent. And I mean, it's a long grind. I mean, it's like I see you, you can't expect it overnight. You know, I mean, it's like you just got to consistently release content, and the content has to be halfway decent, right? And and that's what I've done. And it's just been going, it's just grown. And it's, I, I can't say enough to go back to your question. It's transformed my life completely. This whole podcasting thing has just completely transformed my life in so many positive ways. And um, I can't say enough about it. I think it's, I think it's the, the, the best medium out there. If you want to get somebody to know, like, and trust you in a rapid fashion, podcasting is, is the best way. It's better than video. It's better than an email marketing campaign. It's the most authentic and intimate medium out there. I don't care what anybody says. I mean, it's just, it's just the best medium out there if you do oh, it right. I agree. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. I mean, even video, people might argue, oh, what about video? But you still have to set aside time, sit down and watch video. But the audio from a podcast, it's like they're right there, intimate. You feel like you know them. Yeah. You feel like yeah. you're involved. It, you're reaching people where you can't reach people in video and video is just, again, the production factor is, is too, it takes too long. And even when you do it, there's, there's not a level of authenticity or intimacy that I don't care how much you do it. There's too much of a produ- production factor that strips away a little bit of the authenticity. I think I, I because you can be completely authentic and intimate in a, um, in a audio conversation. It just is. And even when I'm talking about, just me and I'm not interviewing somebody and I'm talking about my beliefs, my philosophies. I mean, it's just, it's better than video because I get distracted when I watch video. If I'm sitting there, I'm watching you and I'm like, Oh, 
look, he just scratched his nose, you know, I see already. Right. And I just watch you scratch your nose and already my ADHD kicks in and I start thinking, or I start looking at the plants behind your bookshelf back there or that painting that you have, you know what I mean? I mean, it's yeah. just, it's distracting. Yeah, no, I get it. I mean, it's the same with me when I'm watching a video or watching a TV show, it's a lot easier to go on my phone or do some work or just be distracted. But when you have the audio, I mean, I've, as a podcast listener myself, both like with podcasts and even like audiobooks or something like that, I mean, it feels, it feels intimate, like cooking dinner, driving, walking, something like that. I mean, you know, when you have the podcast, you feel like you know the person, you feel like you're involved, and that yeah. really puts the, the podcast host in a very, very special place. Um, I agree. So I wanted to ask you, uh, what, now we've talked all about these incredible benefits of podcasting and the incredible benefits that you've seen podcasting. And so I want to, you know, make sure we paint the, picture, the whole picture. What is it that you do? So you said that you're a pilot. Um, yeah. do, is your podcast related to any kind of business or money making venture or is it just a hobby? Yeah. It, it's not, a, it, well, yeah, it's not a, I guess you could define it. Sometimes it feels like a hobby because I don't get the income that I would want. But I mean, there have been times where it is certainly, yeah, it is, a, it is, it was to support a, a business. And it is morphed as I've learned as I come down the, the pike. Originally, when I started this podcast, it originally was, my mindset was no deeper than I'm going to do this to get more speaking gigs. That was as deep as it got. And it was my value, free value added to the world, right? I give this to free. It, it's, you know, some of my best content, people get to know me, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And it certainly morphed as it, as it certainly, it certainly got me some speaking gigs. I mean, in, in the beginning, certainly not at the level that I would had hoped for, mm -hmm. but it certainly happened. And, um, what I found though, and I've shifted the business model in because I'm, I'm a, I am a pilot for American airlines, but on the side, it's the best job in the world as a pilot that you can have a side gig because you have a tremendous amount of free time. Right. And so the idea is through the podcast, I have created this network that I'd even think was possible. And so in other words, when I bring people on my show, I'm certainly interested and curious. And if they're CEOs and they're business owners and they're entrepreneurs, what I learned in short order is that is a perfect opportunity to get them to know me. And, and now I have, I mean, my professional network is blown me away. Right. I mean, I couldn't believe some of the people, like if I had to try to get in contact with a CEO of a major corporation and I did it the traditional way, I'd have to go through a gatekeeper send them a pitch, get them to know them, and maybe get five, 10 minutes with them. Well, I got a podcast and I'm talking about leadership. And this is what I love talking about. I mean, I've talked to CEOs of major Fortune 500 companies. You know, I've had Steve Forbes on my show twice. And so not that I'm drinking buddies with Steve Forbes, I'm not. You know, I don't think I could go into New York City and just call up and say, hey, I'm here. Do you want to go get lunch? But I do have his contact information and I've talked with him twice. Which right? is more than what most people can say. Right. Which is if I had to, I mean, how could I, I could not have done that the traditional way. You know, what I realized is when I got Steve Forbes on the show, that's when it really started to change for me because I, and I got him on early on, probably about three or four months in. And he was an easy get. I mean, everybody asked, well, how did you get some of these big names? And I said, I literally just asked. And he had a, a email on his website, sforbes at forbes.com. And he replied. 
and which surprised the heck out of me. And so anyway, I got him on. Then I said, when I got him on, I realized, you know what, this is an opportunity from a business standpoint, from a strategic standpoint, is if I can get these people on the show, not that I'm going to pitch them my wares, but just the fact that, you know, I start getting these CEOs and these entrepreneurs and these, and, and these business owners and they get them to know, like, and trust me, not only is it going to be value added for the show, but then I start establishing a relationship with these people. And so that's what I did early on. And, and, and that, the fact that I'm using the podcast when people say, well, how do you monetize it? It's an indirect route. I use the podcast to build up a network that is so powerful and so unique in a rapid fashion that I couldn't do any other way. And then I establish relationships with these people. And then behind the scenes, I'm just constantly work, you know, keeping up with them and talking and kind of the givers gain mentality. And that leads to business many times. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So you have them on your show and then you keep the relationship going, you keep sharing value, you keep helping them. And then oftentimes that can lead to, uh, to more business relationships because that's something that I've known as well. Having guests on a, on a podcast can potentially lead depending on like what, if, if the podcast is with a business or something, then that guest could become like a client or customer or something like that. Absolutely. Uh, but you need to have that relationship. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a long game, right? I think that I don't, and I think that's what's not apparent a lot of times when people start a podcast that how long of a game that this is, it's is a marathon, right? I think sometimes people, and I see that in these like kind of podcasting groups that I'm on in Facebook, you know, and there's a bit on them since almost the beginning. And they, I think this one group on Facebook's got 30,000, 10,000 members in it now or something like that. Wow. Something ridiculous. Hmm. And in the beginning, it was like 600 of us or something like that, you know, and I just kind of watch. I, I, every now and then I'll post some things when people ask, you know, certain questions that if I can add, you know, about equipment or what do we do? And then, but I see all these questions like, and they've launched a podcast and they've got like three episodes and like, what's, what's the average download supposed to be? I'm only getting like 80 downloads an episode, you know, like they're panicking. And I'm like, dude, that's 80 people that you didn't, you know, and they're trying to compare themselves to someone like John Lee Dumas or, you know, or Joe Rogan, which is the worst, right? I mean, you know, these guys are getting millions of downloads and it's like, you don't right. even compare yourself. Just what are you trying to, what are you trying to accomplish and what are you trying to do? And it just seems like a lot of times people don't really have that question answered when they start their podcast. What are you trying to accomplish? Right. And is it, would you say that's one of the most crucial parts of this to be able to get that listenership in that business? the most important part is to what get the relationship. Is that what you said? Get the, uh, get the listener base and get, get those relationships, oh, yeah. like, you know, yeah, having sure. that, having that vision, you know, clarity of what, yeah. Cause exactly right. Because it'll, it'll save you a lot of headache and noise of trying to come, you know, the, the comparison trap of, of saying, well, Oh God, you know, my podcast sucks because I'm only getting, you know, 10, you know, a thousand downloads a month or 10,000 downloads a month or whatever the number is. And it's never, good enough. You're comparing, there's always somebody, but so what are you trying to accomplish? You know, are you trying to build a, because all you need to have your life totally transformed is a thousand super fans. That's all you need. If you get a thousand super fans, your whole life gets to be completely different. And that's the mindset that I adopted early on is I'm just trying to find a thousand super fans. And, and when you do that, the download numbers are kind of irrelevant. Does, right. does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So I want to kind of go back to the, uh, 
potential client relationships from guests on the podcast. Yeah. Um, now that's something that I've known that works for a while, right? Having, uh, of course you can't like go after having a guest just for the potential of having yeah. them as a client, but the fact that that could happen is still something to think about, you know, something to kind of have in the back of your mind besides, you know, sharing value and building the relationship, which is number one, which is my favorite part, honestly. But I wanted to ask for some more specific, but I want to talk a little bit more specifically about your strategies around that. So yeah, I've, I've heard people before, including myself, talk about having guests on the podcast, potentially turn into clients. But it sounds like you've kind of taken that to another level and you have these other strategies and tips for what to do before the interview, during the interview, and after the interview to make sure that that relationship is as good as it can be for the long term. So talk a little bit about your process there. Yeah. And, and to kind of piggyback on what you just said, I mean, my, every guest I have on my show isn't like, okay, what can I garner out of this individual? In fact, I don't look at any of them that way. But I do from a standpoint of a strategic standpoint going, the first question I ask is like, do I want to have a conversation with this person? In other words, I, I always go at it from, is it, am I interested in this? And will my listeners be interested? Because I get literally, I get 30 to 40 requests of people to be on my show a day now from all these PR agencies and everything else. Right. And everybody's got their latest leadership book and everything else. And, and I, and I want to support all of it, but I got to be honest after 400 conversations on leadership, I haven't really heard anything new. Right? Because leadership is just leadership. And I want to support all those people out there and those thought leaders. I get it. But first and foremost, I want to make sure I, I say, I want to, am I interested in this? And is my curiosity peaked enough so that, because if my curiosity is not peaked and I'm just going through the motions and asking questions, it's just, I'm just clocking in and it's not worth it to me. Mm-hmm. And so I want to, no matter who it is, if it's an unknown or if it's someone that's got a big name, I want to make sure I just want to talk to them. If it's a, so the vast majority of my conversations are people you've never heard, but I will strategically go out there and go into your, get into your original question is, is I want to go out there and strategically, I try to find some of these big names for obvious reasons because it gets me noticed from a marketing standpoint. It gives me a little, it gives you a little bit more credibility and note it, right? It draws more people to the show. And so I'll, I'll use the big names strategically interspersed in there. Uh, if that makes sense, so that I can attract people to the show. Mm-hmm. The vast majority of the content isn't a big name. And it's people that I'm just passionate about talking with. Does that make sense? Right. So like number one is find someone who you actually want to, you know, have the yeah. conversation with. Every episode that way, even if it's a big name, I want to have a conversation because I'm genuinely curious about this individual or there's something I want to add. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so that is first and foremost, the number one thing about the strategy about who I bring on the show. That's kind of the before beforehand, the during it's for the same for everybody, regardless strategic wise. I want to make sure that the conversation comes across as like, if you and I were sitting down having drinks and dinner and we're talking about something we're passionate about and we're getting to know each other. I say that to every guest. I say that in the email prior to it's coming on. I certainly talk about it before. Sometimes people say, can I have a list of questions? And I fight against that. I don't give them a list of questions. I go, look, I'm not a reporter. I just want to have an, a conversation. But the conversation, if, when they, if they do ask, I say, we'll flow around this. Here's, you know, and I'll kind of give them some bullet points of where my mind flow is. They're not questions, though. I'm adamant against that. Because when I did that in the beginning, and I wouldn't 
I, I was, it sounded like an AP reporter and I didn't want to do that. I wanted to ha have him be conversations. I find found by having that, what I just said right there as the, as the number one effective strategy of, of why, or the, the building block to number one, producing great content. And the second of all, the building block to establishing and maintaining a relationship long after the show's over. Because when they get done, when the show is over and the, the recording is stopped, almost invariably everybody says, wow, that was really fun. That was awesome. You're really good at this, blah, blah, blah. And I'm not a professional interviewer. I'm not a journalist. And I'm not somebody that, that's better than anybody else. I just, from a human level, try to keep as authentic and transparent as possible. Like if you and I had just met and, and we're sitting down over drinks and dinner having a conversation, I think that is the number one, if you're doing an interview, interview type style of show, uh, that's how you, you produce great content. And it allowed me to, so, for, so from a strategy standpoint, that's what I do during. And then the after is just traditional CRM type of, of kind of, you know, and there's tons of books and models out there from sales strategies and customer and just staying in touch, you know, probably the best out there is Bob Berg's the go giver, right? How do you stay in touch? Um, and I don't do it as much as, as, as disciplined as Bob Berg says in the go giver, but probably following those type of things, you know, sending somebody a handwritten note and blue ink and those all type of things, right? But keeping it authentic, keeping it short, keeping it simple sending an email every now and then or a tickler every four or five months or three months or whatever you want to do and say, Hey, Evan, how's it going? Thanks so much. You know, I thought about this article, you know, I saw this article and thought about you. Right. And so that's, that's the work that happens afterwards. And it's as simple as that. So that's kind of to answer your question. That's the strategy and the specifics of what I do. And I'm sure there's a ton of guys out there that are knocking out of the park from an internet marketing standpoint and everything else and building email lists and all that's part of it. But I found that when I did that in the first two or three years, really focusing on the, you know, having the lead magnet and building the email list and everything else, it, it really, and I'm sure there's ways to do it, but it's just not me. I've done that. I've done the kind of email marketing list and, and building it. And it led to a level of inauthenticity and kind of a, it took my eye off the ball of, in terms of, of content creation of, of what I was trying to do with the show. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So yeah, no, that is funny. These that makes perfect sense because I kind of feel the same. When people recommend to me to, you know, build email lists and do a lot of social media posting and things like that, like okay, I see the value in that and I see why that you know works to build an audience. But I feel like when I try to just write an email for every day, you know, it it just it feels inauthentic it just feels like i'm just putting yeah. out emails to put out emails or putting on social media posts to put out social media posts so my question is how do you you know still grow an audience and still grow a business without doing those things that pretty much everybody says is crucial to grow a business in the audience again it goes back to and again and i'm not saying that those things don't work i mean and you look at someone like john lee dumas and he did it I mean, it's amazing what he did. You know, he was the first guy to kind of said, I'm going to release an episode every day. And at the time, I don't know if you remember this, but people were saying, and if you followed podcasting back then, it was like, it's impossible to do a podcast every day. And he was one of the first guys that figured it out. I'm going to do it. I'm just going to, but, and I love John Lee Dumas. He's a friend of mine and he's instrumental to, to my podcast growth. But if you look at his model to do that, for the last eight years, his show has been pretty much 
the same, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, same format. It's the same questions. And it's bam, bam, bam. It's like a machine. And that works for him. And he certainly built an audience rapidly. But how did, you know, and what did he do by that? You know, he, he built an audience and he, he, he attracted fellow podcasters like you and I. Now I'm going to teach you how to create a podcast, right? And so do you see, right? So don't yeah. forget, and, that's, and that worked for him. And what a great model and what a great opportunity for him. But who's his audience? His audience are people like you and me and other podcasters listening to your podcast, right? And that's great. And I tried to do what he was doing, but that, that doesn't work for me because that's not my audience. My audience are, you know, middle-aged men and women, 35 to 50, who are professionals and they're trying to up their leadership game. So I can't create a podcaster's paradise product for them, you know, like, I mean, that's what I was trying to do and it didn't work. Does that make, do you see what I'm saying? And yeah. so it gets to the point is like, you really got to understand what you're trying to do. And, and so my point is, is like his internet marketing techniques didn't work for my business. And just, and I'm just using John Lee Dumas because he's such a, a success story. Yeah. And he's pretty much the epitome of what we're talking about, like with the social, with the constant posting and emailing and having those things together. Um, that's what he did do. You know, even right. though for us, we were saying how it didn't feel genuine for us. Right. Um, for him, you know, I guess it did. And he was, he dived into that and made it work. And I, no matter what, that is right. definitely a good, I mean, it's recommended for a reason. Right. You know, it's definitely a good strategy. But, and I, and I certainly follow, you know, I, I think I've learned so much from him. I've learned so much from Pat Flynn. And Pat Flynn is probably a better example because there's a guy that went from nothing and he's built everything. They're both authentic. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that John, oh, yeah. John Lee completely authentic. He's a great guy. And, but Pat Flynn and John Lee learned from Pat Flynn where Pat Flynn was so transparent from the beginning. He said, hey, look, this is what I'm doing. This is how much I made. And John Lee Dumas followed that too. And that, that if, if anything is probably allowed them to be so successful because of that transparency and that authenticity. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, God, I got so your original question was like, what, what are, how do you build that audience? You do that through that transparency and authenticity. I think that's, a, that's how I built my audience. Like, and I just started this dose of leadership university what I just launched. I'm building up members and I'm like, okay, how, how do I attract members to, this university. And I've done this before and I tried to do this five, six years ago and I sent out to my email list and I, I had a video product that was kind of the base of it and I sent it out. I followed the, uh, what was that guy's name? Uh, anyway, he, he had a great method and I followed it and I sold 35 seats at like $450 a piece and I got a nice chunk of change, but I couldn't replicate it. I, I, and I started exhausting my email list and then I'm like, well, maybe I should partner with somebody else and you know, partner with someone like Pat Flynn or John Lee Dumas and, you know, get into their email list. And I just, I didn't, it just, just didn't work for me. And so like when I launched the Dose of Leadership University this time, I just reached out onto my show and I said, I'm not, I don't, you know, I've got a landing page. If you're interested, I just did these verbal pitches at the beginning of my solo episodes, you know, not my interviews, but my solo episodes where it was just me. And then people would, I said, go to this landing page and people did and they would, they would sign up and I would, and I, and I've been signing them up, but I've, I'm doing it in a completely different way. It's the long way. And it's just, it just works for me. I'm not saying that it has to, you know what I mean? I'm not, 
I'm not getting a thousand people to sign up and buy a $50 product, right? I'm trying to get people in for the long haul and build something meaningful. And that works for me. If you're trying to, you know, build cash flow and do something and get, you know, financially free, I'd probably create a product like John Lee Dumas and, and Pat Flynn and, and find it. But you got to realize that the market that like a Pat Flynn or a John Lee Dumas or even a Cliff Ravencraft, what do those guys do? Who, who is their audience? It's, it's, it's kind of that, um, that inner circle of people trying to do what we're trying to do, right? I think that's what people have to realize that you're, you're, you're targeting entrepreneurs or people who want to create something on their own, right? And I learned that the hard way. That's not my audience. And so I had to do things differently. And so I, I do it through keynotes. I do it through long-term coaching contracts. So people ask me like, well, how did you, how does the podcast pay for itself? Well, here's a perfect example. I mean, last year I had somebody that listens to the show reached out to me. I didn't even reach out, reached out to me and say, hey, I want you to do a keynote for my leadership conference. I go give the keynote, made a pretty good chunk of change for the keynote, established a relationship with the CEO, you know, knocked it out of the park. CEO liked me, established a relationship with him. That led to a year long six figure contract with him. One person, one client, right? And so that works for me. So it's the same thing as if you're trying to sell a $50 product, right? To multiple, to 10,000 people, which is huge. You can do that or you can do what I did and you kind of play the long game. And I try to find these long-term clients that, you know, I get one, two clients that pay me six figures for a coaching contract. Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, right. so that's how I, that's how I use the podcast to pay for what I do. The mm -hmm. problem is, you know, they come few and far between, but that works for me. The whole internet marketing, chasing the email chain, the funnels, I've tried all that. It just doesn't work for me right? because my product's a little different. Right. No, I get it. And I, I kind of, I see what you mean. And I, I, uh, I don't have six figure clients, but I have, the most of my income comes from long-term relationships with, with paying clients as opposed to a product that's just like a one-off sell a $50 product to a bunch of people. So right. I get it, you know, not, not to the extent of six figures. So they're not quite as few and far between, but you know, similar concepts. So how, so, you know, you're not doing the standard or as much of the standard, you know, social media marketing and email marketing and that kind of stuff. So how, so it sounds like you, one of the ways you use your, like you said, you use your podcast to kind of get your foot in the door and build these relationships with um, potential clients and with people like that. Right. Of course, like we said before, that can't be the number one reason why you get on a call with someone. It has to be because you no. want to talk with them. Right. But you get on the call with people, it could be potential clients. So like, after the interview, like specifically, how do you go about continuing to build that relationship to go to the point of you reach out, they come on your podcast, they become a client. Like what would be your, your best piece of kind of actionable uh, uh, feedback and advice for, for that process? Yeah. So one thing that I do is, is hopefully the interview goes well. And, and again, I'm not even thinking about I got to I got to emphasize that I I do not go what can I get from this person? I don't I do not think that. The only thing that I'm thinking about is I want to produce and have the most awesome conversation ever. That's all I think about. If it's over and we click 
And sometimes I don't click with my guests. I mean, to be quite honest, I just don't. I mean, sometimes and, and, and nothing comes of it. But then I'll release the episode and I kind of send a, a personalized email. I'll start from a, you know, I have a template, but I'll personalize it based on that template. I'm like, hey, I really appreciated the, the conversation. Here's some of the key points. Here's the link. It'd be so awesome if you could share it with your circle. Um, and then my last paragraph is like, I'd love to stay in, because a lot of times what I'll do in the, um, I should back up when I'm done with the conversation, we'll stop recording, I'll talk to them for, sometimes we talk for two to 10 minutes afterwards, right? And I'll always try to get, um, strategically, I try to get a contact from them. Love to stay in touch. What's the best way I can do that? And nine times out of 10, they'll give me their personal cell phone and their email address. And then that's it. And then, so I just add it to my contact list and I do not do anything with it, you know, for a while. And then just, cause I don't want to, I don't, they're busy people. And the last thing I want to come across is pitchy and I'm trying to gain something from them. So I just kind of the whole givers gain thing. Right. And I'm like, well, how can I add value to this, this individual? And it's different for every person. Right. And so when it's over, I do marinate on like, how do I add value to this person that I just made contact with and it's work. And I'm not as good as it as I should be, but because, you know, life takes over and I like to watch Netflix like everybody else, but then I just have to intentionally put it down on my calendar and schedule. Like, what can I do? And I go through my list and I put ticklers and, you know, using CRM and I'm, I don't know, I, I vacillate and try to figure out, but I just put ticklers on this person to, to contact this person, you know, three, four weeks later. And depending on what we talked about, depending who it is, you know, I always try to bring it up. Hey, saw this, you got any advice on this? And I just, I just do that. I just try to stay in touch with all these people as much as I can. Hey, thinking about you, you know, what do you think? Love to get your advice on this. How can I help with this? I'll send texts to the people. Hey, thinking about you, I thought I saw this, thought about you just checking in. And, and that's what I do. I never do the specific ask. I mean, I'm just thinking about some of these guests right now and thinking about, okay, this week I'm going to, reach out and ask, legitimately ask their opinion on something, you know, or I need help with this. And then if it's a C, if it's somebody that I do think that I could potentially help their organization, like I'll usually ask for referrals and probably if there's a takeaway, a tactic that I found that works best is I never, even if it's somebody I'm secretly wanting to work for or work with or, or have them be a paid client, I'll say, is there anybody else in your circle that you think might be interesting for me to meet? Do you see what I'm, you know, so I'm asking there. And so, mm -hmm. it's, I, and I found that I get a lot of value out of that question. Hey, out of your circle, who's, who's somebody you think would be interesting for me to meet? And there's, that's a, that's kind of a, a, a win-win. I can't remember where I picked that up. I think it was from Alan Weiss. I think I'm a big follower of Alan Weiss and some of the way that he talks about building a, a building a community. You ever heard of Alan Weiss? He's like the guy that's wrote all like the, the million dollar consultant, the million dollar speaker. I'm a big sure. fan. Of his. Yeah. No, I, I've heard of the name, but I don't know very much about him. Yeah. He's, I, I do from, from a strategic business standpoint, I follow a lot of his stuff and he's like big on, you know, stop worrying about all this. He, he's the kind of guy that I broke free. He's like stop worrying about this email list, internet marketing, just be authentic, you know, how to write proposals how to reach out, how to build a network. And so I think a lot of my philosophy shifted after reading his stuff. 
and using podcasts is he thinks is a great way. You know, not only he, and if, if I was getting coached by him, he'd be yelling at me. So not only should be podcasting, you should be doing this. You should be getting, you know, I should be getting in front of media. I should be getting interviewed more podcasts like you, you know, that's what he would probably tell me to do. And I'm trying to do, but I think just asking specifically on these people and following up, you know, who's somebody that you think I should, should meet who's interesting. That has led some really cool, not only interviews, but also not even interviews, but relationships and people that I've met. And, and that's been pretty powerful. I don't know if that answered your question or not. I seem like it I, does. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a lot of value. And I wrote some good things down. Um, so it sounds like, you know, when it, I liked your, um, that question that you asked, is there anyone in your circle that you think would be interesting for me to meet? Um, it's like a no else in your circle. Yeah. It's a no pressure ask. And it's almost like everybody likes to help. Right. And so it's kind of like, and I learned this long ago and I do this, I, Hey, I really need your help. If you start something like that, you know, everybody likes to help. And so that question is kind of psychologically, it's veined in that. And there's no pressure. Whereas if like, Hey, I'd really like you to be my mentor or Hey, here's, here's what I do. Do you know anybody I could pitch this to? You know what I mean? There's no pitch. There's no that. It's just, it's more organic, I guess. And then on top of that, as a relationship builds, I do have a pitch video, if you will. It's a five minute video of just like who I am and what I do. Mm -hmm. I do share that with them if they can share with their people, if they get to know me. I don't do that right out of the bat though, because it, it, it can, if I did it the second after we got off the phone, it'd come across as pitchy. Mm -hmm. kind of crosses like, Oh, this guy's just trying to, and, but they get it. They know that I'm trying to get business, but I tell them, I mean, this is, I tell them who my ideal client is. So being prepared, like having, you know, just a quick little pitch, like, who are you and what do you, what do you do and why should I care? You know? Mm -hmm. you know, and so I just say, I'm a leadership expert. That's known for my, that's known for my highly rated podcast and my ability to transform individuals and cultures. And so if people ask me what I do, that's what I say. I'm a leadership expert that's known for my highly rated podcast and ability to transform individuals and cultures. Oh, well, you see what I'm saying? And so I yeah. try to keep it simple and I do that in my emails and I do that when I'm, I'm telling people, but I don't, like I said, I don't pitch. I don't, I don't do e internet email campaigns anymore. I don't, I do reach out to my email list occasionally. I don't have a lead. I took, in fact, I just, I, I don't do a lead magnet anymore because I just got tired of it because I never got, I never saw the value for me out of a lead magnet and then taking them through a funnel. It just doesn't work for me. And, yeah. and maybe that's just me not figuring it out or being lazy, but I just found that the, the way that, that, that I can do this and I, and make money at it is if, if build long-term relationship, it's a marathon for me. Right. Yeah, no. And that, that's really where the, uh, where the value is, is in those long-term relationships. Um, so for those listeners out there who, you know, maybe they have a podcast or maybe they're thinking of starting one or they're, they're going to start one soon. They want to use the podcast to help grow their business, grow their revenue and, and build those relationships and that kind of stuff. But let's say they, they feel like you and that they, they really, you know, they're not excited by the idea of a lead magnet and a funnel and, and coming up with a bunch of emails, just, pulling them out of a hat and you know um i know karen already asked this but in that context i just kind of wanted to ask one more time if you had anything else um as far as what 
your best piece of just like actionable advice would be. So when they get off the interview, what can they go and do so that they continue to grow their podcast and grow their business without having to do that, uh, that type of marketing? If they're going to do a podcast, just remember that your podcast is, is your biggest piece of marketing material, right? And I think a lot of times people forget that. And that's why I think it gets lost in that internet, in the internet marketing thing. And, and I'm not, again, I'm not anti-funnel, anti-email marketing campaign. There's, there's particularly if you're building an audience, but I think that if, if you get, if you're trying to, to make a difference, you got to remember why you're doing the podcast in the first place. What are you trying to do? And if you can answer that succinctly, you know, make sure that you're talking about something you're passionate about. I love talking about leadership first and more than anything. I mean, I'm passionate about this topic because I've seen it transform my life and I've seen it transform the lives of individuals and organizations. And I love talking about it. So I think if you're first and foremost, if you have a topic that you're talking about, don't quit, don't give up, just deliver the most authentic kick-ass content that you can and just be authentically you if they're trying to build a business, again, I think that's the best thing that you can do. The more content that you can create and just keep creating content on a consistent basis. And, and it doesn't have to be an interview. It can just be you, you know, and having the mix. I get more feedback from my audience when it's just me at this point, right? Nothing against doing the interview style. I'll continue to do them. And it's the best way to build a network. But, but if you're trying to say, how can a podcast build my business it's all about the content and then getting it in front of an audience and building an audience and the only way that you can do that is by producing great content on a consistent basis and it's harder than ever now because of you know almost a million podcasts out there i've noticed it it's harder for me to get the guests that i want to get it was really you know people say, oh, how'd you get all these big names i just asked them and i still do but it's harder because everybody has a podcast right Right. And I notice even in my circle, the leadership circle, it's all, it's like, we all cycle through the same guests. Like, Oh, well, okay. You know, it's like they're on this person and they're doing the book circuit. It's just like, like the late night talk shows. Right. And so you see everybody going through, but right. I find that I build in, 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 but I, what I find in going to your questions, what can people do? Action will do is just like start just turning on the mic and being yourself and start talking about what you're passionate about and what you're trying to do. I talk about in my solo episodes, how I helped a client and what I do. And it's like real life stories of me, like what I did and like what I noticed and what I did. And I get more emails when I do a solo episode than I do when I do an interview anytime. And so mm -hmm. I guess my point is, is the actual thing is just don't quit. There's no magic bullet. There's no tactic or technique that's unique to podcasting. Once the mic is off, it's just straightforward to the grind staying in contact, getting in front of people and promoting your show. And if that means, I mean, I've done that talking to my local newspaper, talking to my local TV station and just every chance you get say, Hey, have you, have you got my show? Because it's, it is a huge credibility booster for whatever business you're trying to do. Because if you can show, if you can point to somebody that you're an expert in something, if you've got a podcast with 100, 200, 300, 400 episodes of you talking about this, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, am I the leadership expert? Are there better? Look, I say I am, and I feel like I am. I can talk leadership all day long, and I feel like because of the podcast, I can talk leadership better than most, most people because I've had the, the PhD knowledge of talking to 400, 
other professionals, but I'm no different than anybody else. I don't have a PhD in leadership. I don't have these certifications, but when I'm putting and going in front of a client, man, what a great catalog that I can, Hey, you want to learn more about me and you want to learn about, yeah, I'm a leadership expert. Go check out my show. Do you see what I'm saying? I can, I can say that with confidence now because of the catalog and the seven years of me doing it. I'm way more confident about it now because of what I've built up. And so my point is, if, what, what do you do? Just start putting content out there. There's, a, there's 900, almost a million podcasts out there, but less than 200,000 are producing one episode a month. Think about that. Wow. <laughs> Maybe I got the stat wrong, but it's something like that. Or one a week, you know what I mean? They're not consistently producing episodes. Mm-hmm. And so if there's anybody out there doing a podcast, just keep doing it. And, and I don't know if that answered your question or not. I mean, I kind of go off. This is kind of nice because normally I'm doing the interviewing. You're kind of letting me talk and I'm kind of running my mouth because it's just like, <laughs> it's free, it's like freedom. I finally get this, the talk and not be the one listening all the time. I get it. No, I get it. And no, I think I appreciate everything that you said. Um, it's true. I mean, it really is. It's all about creating that content, you know, creating good content consistently and keep following, following up with, uh, you know, with those relationships over yeah, time. There's tons of resources out there to like, how do you stay in touch? Like, what do you do? You have to just create content consistently. That's why it's, it's a marathon. Mm-hmm. And, and, and my point was, is there's tons of resources out there on how to stay in touch with people afterwards, you know, get a good CRM program with ticklers and, and, and say, these are the people I want to follow up with. And I don't know, like I said, I mean, I, I, my income stream hasn't been, it's been a, and I still do, I have products and I sell it. I mean, and I'll sell my products on my show, you know, and, and I've got different level of, of income levels, but my ultimate is to get into, into an organization with a long-term coaching contract. That's my model. Hmm. And the podcast works. I mean, it, it helps that way because there's a way the podcast has opened up doors for me to have conversations with people that I just wouldn't be able to have. I mean, think about it. If I didn't have my podcast, what would I, what, what am I left with a slick brochure? I mean, what? And then referrals. I mean, I have referrals to this, but I mean, what are my options? Right. I get it. Yeah. So keep, yeah. So keep, uh, it sounds like, you know, the best thing for, for listeners out there to do is keep consistently creating good content on the podcast and continue to follow up and build relationships with guests. Focus on that. And, you know, if someone, you know, and asks those strategic questions, like, is there anyone in your circle that it would be interesting for me to meet or, or how, hey, I need some help, um, things like that. And over time, I mean, if you have that good relationship and if they need what you're offering, then the client, the paying client relationship, I mean, it's bound to happen. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's the old standby of like, if you have a powerful network, if you have a vast network, that's how you're going to get all your business. You know, it's, it's, it's no different than what, I mean, that's how, that's how sales works, right? I mean, you've got to build up a network. And so all I'm doing is throwing a podcast in the mix of traditional sales networking. That's all I'm doing. And I didn't reinvent the wheel. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And, And I think too much, and I'm guilty of this. I mean, I, I just, the whole internet marketing kind of boom and, and following of that. I mean, it works in certain cases, but for, but for the vast majority of B2B business, it's, it, it doesn't. But the, the traditional networking and sales, you still have to go knock on doors. You still have to, you know, get noticed and be aware. 
I think podcasting the, the, gives you the ability to do it in a rapid fashion. Yeah, rapid. I feel like podcasting is a really good modern way to go knock on doors. Kind Absolutely. Of a, a way that's actually kind of fun, you know? Absolutely. In a way that provides good content and good value instead of just knocking on somebody's door. But it, it kind of gives you the same, it gives you the same stuff, just more. Yeah. If you can become good at podcasting, you become good, in, and particularly in the interview style is, is a good way to break into podcasting. But I did see an article, and I do agree with this too, is that it's like everybody's doing an interview style show. Nothing wrong with it. But just remember, at some point, if you want your brand to come up, you know, to be you, you're going to have to start talking, you know, start selling your wares and your expertise. And that's something that I've morphed into. Right. Yeah. And it's almost like you rel I relied on the interview. It's like, an, it's an easy way to put out a show. It's a little bit harder to put out a solo episode with content, right? Mm -hmm. Just really quick. I know that the podcast is running a bit long, but I just wanted to ask really quick um, and you can keep your answer short as possible. But I know that there definitely is value in having some interviews and solo episodes. How do you, do you do like one interview a week and then one solo episode a week or do you alternate it or how do you structure structure that? Yeah, I, I've, I tried to do, and I've, I'm trying to get back to it, but I've now with this COVID-19, I've just had a lot more free time, but, um, and I've got, I've got a, about three months backlog of shows that, and that's just interviews. And I'm like, how do I intersperse that? So yeah, so my thought is, and I got a sponsored part of it too. That's one thing we didn't even talk about. I did pick up a spot at a sponsored episode that I've done for 18 months that they pay me here locally. And so I've got three types of podcasts, my interview, my solo, and then the, then the equity bank sponsored ones. And so my equity bank ones I try to do on a Friday and my uh, interview right now, what I'm doing, my inter interview on Dose of Leadership, not sponsored on Mondays and then a solo on Wednesday. So that's what I've been doing. Okay. Normally when I'm my flying job, I would try to do an interview um, on Monday and then a solo on Friday. Mm. Okay. Does that make sense? And so yeah. at a minimum, that's what I'm going to do uh, an interview on Monday and a solo on, on Friday. Right. And what will be one piece of actionable advice for listeners who want to, you know, they've been doing some interviews, they've broken into podcasting, but they want to make it more personal about them as the host, you know, so that people get to know them better. What will be one piece of good actionable advice as far as how to create good solo content, solo episodes? I think for me to make sure, you know, know what you want to talk about and then sketch out an outline and have that in front of you as you're talking. Because I found that if I try to just riff, uh, there's too many ums and it just, it, you know, and you've already heard even and I answer my questions, I kind of go off on tangents and stuff like that. It's easy for me to do that in my solo episodes too. So have a little bit of structure. If you want to type it out, that's good too, but just don't sound like you're reading it. The only thing I say an outline is just take the time is to get the topic and then what am I going to say? And then keep it to 15 to 30 minutes max. You know what I mean? Right. Just talk, but just use the outline so that if you, the more that you can sound like you're riffing, the more authentic it is, right? Mm -hmm. I hate ones where it's just like people are reading things. Like you can tell it's a script. That, that's my opinion anyway. No, I agree with that. Honestly, I mean, it always sounds better when it's, it feels more authentic and kind of off the cuff like that. And I think the more that you can intersperse a story in there, every time that I do that, I try to have two or three, two, at least two stories in there that, that highlight my point, you know? So it's almost like that, 
is where I've noticed where I've had stories, real life examples. I get a lot of feedback when I have a story, whereas opposed where I'm just talking about a concept, you know what I mean? And I'm yeah. not really giving examples. Mm-hmm. They're kind of duds. But if I have stories in there, man, I'll get emails like, oh, that was awesome. And thank you. And everybody loves a good story, right? <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, so Richard, I, I really do appreciate you being willing to come on the show. I know the interview ran a bit long, but I think it was incredible. Um, before we jump off to, I wanted to ask you um, if anybody out there, if listeners are interested in what you have to say and what you're doing, where can they find you? Yeah, doseofleadership.com is where everything is. That's where my, my podcast is. It's, it's the website. Um, yeah, and so, I, you know, like I said, I'm a leadership expert known from my podcast and ability to transform individuals and organizations. And I love talking about leadership. I'm a leadership junkie. I'm building a community called Dose of Leadership University. In fact, we're launching it going live here on the first weekend of April. Uh, I've got t- uh, 20 founding members in there. and We're going to kick it off. And so I'm always looking for people who, who's interested in joining the university where it's my uh, live video course. But the main part of it is where it's, it's a live uh, masterminding session, uh, two, two sessions a month so that we're doing life with people, solving real life leadership challenges, real life leadership solutions. And uh, that's what I do. And again, you can just find everything at doseofleadership.com. That's awesome. Thank you so much. We'll make sure all of those, all of that is in the show notes for listeners to check out so they can find you. Um, and Richard, I really, really do appreciate you being willing to come on the show and share all of your uh, wisdom and all of your expertise and all of that value. So thank you. Well, thank you. And thank you for letting me bloviate. Like I said, I don't, I usually don't sit on this end of the mic. And so if I went too long, I apologize, but uh, it was fun. You're fine. No, it is fun. I get it. (laughs) Thanks, Evan. Thank you for listening to this episode and for supporting the Path to Podcast Success Show. If you haven't already, please leave us a five-star rating and a written review, letting us know what you think of the show so we can bring you the most value we can from these expert podcasters. Your support helps us reach more people looking to step up their podcast game so that they can continue to grow their brand and spread their message. So again, thank you for listening to this episode of The Path to Podcast Success, and we'll see you in the next episode.